Well, they covered up all the four points of my sermon. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning. I know it's been a while since we left the Beatitudes. The series Happiness is in You. And so we're going to cover it, finish it off this June. Now, Vestry members know that June was supposed to be my sabbatical. But who would go on a sabbatical and leave the flock? What kind of a shepherd is that to go away and uh, during time of crisis like this? So I'm really having a ball. Covered all the five aspects of all the crisis we're going through, and now for the rest of June at 10.30, Jonathan will be preaching at 9 o'clock, continuing with James at 10.30. We will continue with happiness is in you. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you, as you lifted us to the portals of heaven in a song, that you will heighten our intellect and our hearts and our will to your words, that we would be encouraged, that we would be lifted high, knowing that you are the God of mercy, for it is mercy that brought you down from heaven, Jesus, and set us free. Bless your word for Jesus' sake. Amen. There are some people here that I can look at the faces and I see they remember the incident I'm going to talk about because it's many years ago. We used to have something called the prayer breakfast, outreach men's prayer breakfast on a regular basis. And those many years ago, we invited a guest speaker. We had several ones. Each year we had different speakers, and we had one speaker one year at that breakfast. His name is Adolf Coors IV. His testimony really touched everyone in that room, and I have never forgotten it those many years ago. Very briefly, when Adolf Coors IV gave his life to Christ in the year 1975, he divested himself from the family business of the beer company known as Coors Beer. But he could not divest himself from a hatred in his heart that was so deep in his heart that he could not get rid of it, which slowly was consuming him. And he knew that, and he sensed that. Uh, his deep hatred was toward a man by the name of Joseph Corbett. Let me tell you a little bit about this. On February 9th, 1960, Joseph Corbett kidnapped and held for ransom Adolf Coors III, that's his dad. Seven months later, Coors' father, his body, was found in the remote hillside. He's been shot to death by his kidnapper. Adolf Coors IV was 15 years old at that time. He did not only lose his father, but he lost his best friend in the whole world. 
for a number of years after Coors' conversion to Christ, his hatred toward Corbett, this man who killed his dad and his best friend, his hatred continued to consume him from the inside to the point where he, he, he couldn't even sleep. And this is how Coor himself puts it. He said, my resentment for this man seethed within me and hindered me from growing in grace. He said, I prayed to God for help, but help was not coming. I'm I'm constantly consumed by that anger and that hatred and that bitterness. Finally, one day, the Holy Spirit prompted him to go to visit Joseph Corbett in the maximum security unit of Colorado's Cannon City Penitentiary. He tried to meet with Corbett repeatedly, but Corbett would not see him, refused to see him. So he left him a Bible with the following inscription, I am here to see you today, and I am sorry we could not meet. As a Christian, I am summoned by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive, and I forgive you. Course made it very clear that morning to us who are listening that without the power of Christ, he could not have done this. And just in case somebody may be watching somewhere around the world, why couldn't he do this without the power of Christ? I want to tell you because mercy is not natural. Mercy is not natural. In fact, I can tell you the absolute truth from personal experience, first-hand experience, it is not natural. And that is why Jesus did not begin the Beatitudes by, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. He, doesn't, he did not start with that one, because had He started with that Beatitude, it would have been an impossibility. It, it would have been a non-starter. It would have been, it ended the conversation right there in the, before even it began. It would have crippled the whole message of the Beatitudes. And that is why it stayed to be the fifth step. Now, let me remind you, it's been a number of weeks now, you've probably forgotten, we started this series of messages, Happiness is in You from the Beatitudes. And I told you, and let me repeat, that this is a superstructure. This is a step-by-step program. This is not you can jump into one of those steps. Jesus was not just plucking stuff out of the air, of blessed are you, and blessed are you, blessed in you. No, no, no. He had them totally structured in such a way that you cannot go to the second step without going to the first one, and you cannot go to the third one without going through the second step. Why are these steps necessary? Well, I'm glad to answer, because Jesus meets us where we are, because Jesus leads us one step at a time, because Jesus guides us up the ladder of the Christian life one rung at a time. So He began with brokenness in spirit, poverty in spirit or brokenness in spirit. You have to start there. Without that brokenness in spirit, um, we will not feel the need for God. (laughs) Without that brokenness in spirit, the very first step we take to come to Christ, we don't feel a need 
before Christ. And then, after being broken in spirit, you begin to recognize the gravity of our sin and begin to grieve over sin and mourn over sin. And then we constantly come to Him in repentance over our sin. Thirdly, we saw how Jesus takes us into the third step, which is meekness. And as we saw, meekness is not being a doormat, but it is being having power, but it's under control. And fourthly, we saw, and this is where we left it, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And that is where we ended this series. Now, I come to the fifth of this superstructure, fifth step, the fifth rung in that ladder, where it takes us to truly a point of a breakthrough in becoming like Christ. That is literally the first step in the point of of breakthrough in our lives to become more like Jesus. Now, beloved, there can be no greater manifestation, listen to me, no greater manifestation in imitating our Heavenly Father than exercising mercy. Can I get an amen? Why am I saying this? Because our Lord is the paragon of mercy. Now, I don't know about you. You know and God knows. You may be in a situation where Adolf Kurz IV found himself. You may be seething on the inside in anger towards someone You might have had an abuser back in your life, and you're angry at that abuser. You might have been a victim of lies and in your windows. You might have been living with an unfaithful spouse. I don't know. You might be a person who have trusted someone who turned against you for no reason at all. You might have lost your job unfairly. You might have been deeply betrayed You know, and God knows, but I want to tell you, whatever your situation is today, the Holy Spirit of God, who we celebrate this Sunday, can lead you up the ladder of exercising of mercy. You know, in the book of Genesis, it's very clear that in his heart, Joseph, remember him? (laughs) Joseph forgave his miserable brothers. Obviously, in his heart he did this. And obviously, he did it a while back. We don't know when. But the breakthrough comes in Genesis 45, verse 4, when he said to his brothers, Come close to me. Come close to me. Why? He wanted to love on them. This is Christ-likeness. Now, beloved, this defies natural explanation. I dare anyone who can tell me that this is natural. Because the most natural thing for Joseph to do is to punish his brothers for what they've done to him. For even 
by a stretch, just let's, let's suppose, by a stretch, he forgives them. But by a stretch, he did not have to show them mercy. He can forgive them, but without showing them mercy. The fact, what Joseph did is that he shielded his brother. He protected them. He enriched them. He provided for them. He covered their darkest secret. When you and I exercise mercy, we are truly like our Heavenly Father. And before I get carried away, let me explain to you, because you always have to understand the text in its context, not only in the context of the Scripture, as I'm showing you in the superstructure, but in the context of the culture of the day. You have to understand the people who are sitting there listening to Jesus. Now we can, you know, I've seen some preachers will take a passage and run with it. But no, it's great to apply it, but you have to understand it in the context of the day when Jesus spoke those words. You see, in the culture of the day, this was no more natural to show mercy back then than it is today. The Roman society and the Roman culture uh, that dominated the world back then, they despised mercy. Did you know that? They despised mercy. In fact, they saw mercy as a mark of weakness. It's a mark of weakness. The Pharisees within Judaism, inside the Roman Empire, they were different, of course, but the Pharisees who were listening to Jesus, they would say, okay, you show mercy only to the person who shows mercy to you. But even within that religious context, for example, a Roman philosopher called mercy the disease of the soul. The disease of the soul. Mercy back then meant that you don't have what it takes to be a real Roman citizen, Roman man. It meant, because Rome glorified not only uh, firm discipline, but they have glorified absolute power that takes no mercy. Roman men treated women and children the way we treat the unborn today. No mercy. Now, beloved, any society, any culture, I don't know whether it is before Christ or after Christ, because any culture that Christ is not the center is a B.C. culture, is a before Christ culture. Whether any culture, whether before Christ or after Christ, where Christ is not at the center, that culture leans towards sentimentality, but not mercy. I'm going to come back to this in a minute, but I want you to look at the text, Matthew 5, 7. Now, if you're watching around the world, let me tell you, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed, happy, joyous, in Greek, makarios, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 
Please hear me right. This is very important, very, very important, because I hear Christians even say this, because it's, and it's erroneous. Jesus is not. He's not. He's not. He's not saying that if you show mercy to others, others are going to show mercy to you. That, listen to me, read my lips, that's karma. <laughs> that's Hinduism. That crept into our culture. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying at all. He is saying that when I show mercy to others, God's own mercy is going to start flowing through me more and more. And the more I show mercy, the more His mercy it flows through me. It's like giving, and you've heard me say this many times. When you give generously, God gives you more, a whole lot more. Why? Because God is looking for conduits. God is looking for channels. The more mercy I show, the more God's mercy flows through me to, do, to, to show more mercy. The less merciful I am, uh, the, the further away I place myself from the streams of mercy that comes from the Lord. Question, what is mercy? You say, Michael, you're asking some biblically literate congregation, <laughs> what is mercy? Well, maybe not you, but many others are watching, probably asking, what is mercy? Because I know a lot of people confuse mercy and grace. Am I right? A lot of other people confuse mercy with forgiveness. Uh, many others still confuse mercy with justice, and they get stumble over that one. Others confuse mercy with love. So I am going to answer that question in four ways. And all was sung about in the offertory this morning. I want to show it to you this way. And if you don't get it the first time, Hang in there, because I'm going to repeat it several times. You're going to get it. You will get it. Here's what I want to tell you. First of all, mercy is more than forgiveness. Put that camera on the screen so people can see those points. Mercy is more than forgiveness. Secondly, mercy is less than love. I put them this way for a reason. I'm going to explain that in a minute so you'll get it. Thirdly, Mercy is different from grace. They're two different things altogether. Fourthly, mercy is one with justice. Now, I selected this kind of way by which to communicate for a reason, and when I get to it, you'll understand it. Mercy is more than forgiveness. How come? Well, Titus chapter 3, verse 5 the Word of God tells us that Jesus saves us not on the basis of good works, but according to His mercy. What did His mercy prompted Him to do? It prompted Him to forgive our sins. As we repent of our sins, He washes us of our sins. He cleanses us. He forgives us, and He regenerates us. God's forgiveness of our sins flows out of His mercy, uh, and His mercy is the source of His forgiveness. Without mercy, there can be no forgiveness. That's why I say it is more than forgiveness, and that is why I say this repeatedly to, to, 
when I, when I explain that mercy is more than forgiveness, and you ask me how come forgiveness and the forgiveness of our sins when we confess them, but mercy continues on whether you sin or not. I'm going to explain that some more. God is merciful. He's merciful. He's merciful to you. He's merciful to me. He's merciful all the time. Just you, you show mercy to someone you don't know. Somebody whom I never wronged you, and you show mercy to them. Forgiveness becomes operational when the wrong is committed. But mercy is operational all the time. When you have mercy in your heart and the need arises, you meet it. Hear me right, please. Mercy leads to forgiveness. Mercy manifests itself in forgiveness. Mercy produces forgiveness, and forgiveness occurs when hurt takes place. But mercy can be exercised under all circumstances, whether there's a need or not. God's mercy is more than forgiveness. You see, mercy produces forgiveness when sin is committed. How do I know that you have a merciful heart? If I wronged you, said something against you, and I come back and said, please forgive me, you immediately forgive me because you have a merciful heart. God's mercy reaches down beyond the forgiveness because being merciful all the time, His mercy reaches down all the way to our weaknesses, and we all have them, right? God's mercy reaches all the way down to our needs. God's mercy reaches down all the way to protect us. God's mercy reaches all the way to directing us and guiding our steps in life. So mercy is more than forgiveness. Secondly, mercy is less than love. <laughs> oh, you're going to get stumbled on this one, but listen to me. In Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, the Word of God said, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love for us, He loved us even when we were dead in our sins, He made us alive together with Christ. Just as I showed you that mercy is more than forgiveness, I want to show you that love is more than mercy. Hear me right, please. This is important. Love can be manifested in lots of ways, right? Ways that can involve mercy or not involve mercy. It can involve forgiveness or not forgiveness. How? Love loves all the time. And love loves when there is no wrong done. <laughs> love loves even when there is no need expressed and, and, and needed help. Love loves all the time. The Father loves the Son. Can I get an amen? amen? And the Son loves the Father, right? Neither can commit sin. Neither can do wrong. They're perfect, but they love one another. Neither have needs, <laughs> but they love each other. 
Love is there always. The Father and the Son love the holy angels. The angels have no needs and they have no sin, and yet they are loved. When you and I go to heaven, we will not have sin and we will not have needs, but the Father and the Son continue to love us. So love is continuous. Let me put it this way. Love generates mercy, and mercy provides forgiveness. Do you want me to repeat that? Love generates mercy, and mercy provides forgiveness. Love is manifested in mercy, and mercy is produce, produces forgiveness. I'll explain it another way. I want to make sure you get it. <laughs> I got three or four different ways to show it to you. If mercy is the physician, love is the friend. Whether there's need or not, a friend is there. You got the physician when you need something. If mercy is for the times of trouble, trouble love is a fact all the time. Again, I, I want you to hear me right very carefully here. You and I can show mercy without loving, right? I, see, I walk in the street, I see somebody in need, I'll show mercy. I, I don't know the person. That's why I have a hard time with these preachers who say, God loves you, so do I. Well, how, how can you love somebody you don't know? <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of a cliche. So I can show mercy to somebody. I don't really love the person because I, I don't know the person. If you hear someone say, and you see that in the movies, I love you, or I love this person, I just can't stand the fact that he is needy. Hello. I don't love the fact she's needy all the time. I love that person. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, yes, I, 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 I love you, but don't count on me when you get into trouble. Now, that kind of love is not worth a half a Hallelujah. Because true love manifests itself where? In mercy. I love my wife, and I loved her for 50 years since we met the next month. 50 years ago we met in July. <laughs> it would be our 50 years since we met each other. I loved her for 50 years. Whether she has big needs or small needs or no need at all, I still love her. And I know she loves me. I take that for granted, I guess. I didn't ask you. Sorry. <laughs> we finish each other's sentence now <laughs> after all these years. <coughs> but I manifest my love to my wife by showing her mercy and meet needs when it arises. I want to explain it even further. <laughs> love is always constant, but mercy is as need basis. Did you get that? Love is unconditional, but mercy is conditional on need. Our love for each other as the body of Christ in this church is always constant. You see it all over the place. But how do I know love is there? Well, as soon as need arises, mercy starts operating right away, jumps in the work and moves into action. 
So mercy more than forgiveness. But mercy is less than love. Thirdly, mercy is different from grace. A lot of people confuse us. They always say grace and mercy. Well, they're, they're two different things. Grace and mercy are not the same. The first thing you need to get under your belt, before I even move any further with this one, the first thing you need to get under your belt is this. All of our problems, every one of them, every blessed one of our problems, every one of them, stem, emanate from sin. Everyone, I don't care what it is, you look back, peel the onion, sin. (laughs) All marital problems, all marital problems emanate from sin, every one of them. And I've, as I said, I'm I'm not a novice to that. (laughs) Selfishness, pride, start playing… Trouble. All discord between any believers, all discord, any disunity emanates from envy and jealousy and arrogance of any kind. Even our sicknesses and diseases, they entered into our world as a result of Adam and Eve sinning in the garden. And that is why in all of our troubles, Mercy comes in and gives us relief. But grace deals with the root of the problem. In all of our troubles, mercy comes in and deals with the symptoms of our trouble. But grace deals with the cause of the trouble. All of our trouble, in all of our trouble, mercy offers reprieve from the punishment. But grace offers complete pardon. Mercy relieves our pain, but grace cures our disease. Let me explain it in a medical term. I have a bunch of doctors, dear friends. Mercy is a cardiologist. You get that? You got the cardiologist, a couple of cardiologists, dear friends of mine. And uh, he said, I've got, you know, I said, oops, yes, you do have a problem with your heart. But grace is the heart surgeon. <laughs> Did you get that? The cardiologist is not going to operate on your heart. He's going to tell you what the problem is. But then grace comes in, and the heart surgeon, like we have one here, a very prominent heart surgeon, thank God for him, and it comes in and fix the problem. That's the difference between mercy and grace. Just think about it. Cardiologist, cardiologist, surgeon. <laughs> when the Good Samaritan, in Luke 11, everybody knows the story of the Good Samaritan. When the Good Samaritan, against all cultural norms, against all societal norms, where Jews and Samaritans don't even have a dealing with each other, when the Good Samaritan sees a Jew bleeding to death, he comes in and he fixes his wounds, helps him out. That is mercy. If you got that, say amen. I want to make sure you get it. <laughs> ah. But when he put him on his mule, took him to the hospital, handed them his American Express card, 
And he said, put all the charges on this card. That's grace. That's grace. See, mercy could have bound his wounds and then moved on. But grace went to the, to the healing. That's grace. Mercy relieves the pain, but grace provides the healing. When we repent of our sins and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, mercy says, now you are not going to hell. Oh, but grace comes in and says, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. Mercy says, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but grace says, I pardon you. Mercy says, I will overlook your failure. But grace says, I will remember them no more. And so mercy is more than forgiveness. Mercy is less than love. Mercy is different from grace. Fourthly, mercy. Finally, mercy is one with justice. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If, if, if I know anything, some of you are going to stumble over this one. And I'm going to tell you why. Because so many false teaching going around from many a pulpit in mega churches. I'm going to tell you why. You say, mercy is one with justice? How can that be? They're two opposites. They oppose to each other. How can two opposing characteristics of God be one? There's so many churches today, so many pulpits today have opted in totally, completely ignoring or wiping out one of the characteristics of God, namely His justice. That's how they put it. Listen carefully. God is all-merciful. Justice belongs to the Old Testament. That there is no place for justice in our understanding of mercy. God cannot be both merciful and just at the same time. They say, if God is completely merciful, how can He ever punish sin? If God is completely merciful, He must not punish sin. Sadly, this false gospel is preached from many a pulpit. It breaks my heart. Now, beloved, the Scripture is clear. Mercy that ignores sin is not mercy at all. Mercy that rationalizes sin is not God's mercy. Mercy that refuses to deal with sin is sentimentality, not the mercy of God. It is this false mercy that leads so many parents not to discipline their children, and therefore they end up rising up and growing in rebellion. It is that kind of false mercy that some courts uh, have practiced, and they let the criminal go scot-free. Hear me right, please. To ignore justice is to desecrate mercy. I want to repeat that. To ignore justice is to desecrate mercy. To ignore justice is to create an anarchy, which we're seeing now. To ignore justice is to cheapen grace. To ignore justice is to deny what Psalm 85 verse 10 says, that justice and mercy 
belong together. You cannot have mercy without a price. You just can't. Even showing somebody mercy, I'm going to take time and I'm going to go. There's a price to be paid for mercy. Let me illustrate this. Some of you who have teenagers right now, maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. But when our kids began to drive, it feels like a million years away, and it really was a million years ago. But when my kids start driving, we had our fair share of wrecks. As a matter of fact, we had some of the parents in the church back then, they used to say, man, if the Yusufs got through it, we can get through it. <laughs> we, we were such a comfort to a lot of people. But when one of my children get into a wreck, and they come to me, Dad, forgive me, I'm sorry. Of course I'm going to forgive them. Are you kidding? Of course I'm going to forgive them. Absolutely. But somebody has to pay the cost of that mercy. Somebody has to pay for the cost of that wreck. Not only did I pay the deductibles, <laughs> but I also paid the increase in the premiums <laughs> on everybody in the family. Don't ever fall in the error of thinking that mercy is cheap. It is not. Mercy costs. In any act of mercy, someone has to pay. There's something very important. I'm getting close to the end, so I don't want to miss. I, I don't want to lose you, okay? Being a merciful doesn't mean you're a doormat. That doesn't mean that at all. There are some people who think that they can receive God's mercy and go to heaven without repentance. They're going to be in for a huge shock. God's mercy is not only based on His love, but also based on His justice, on His justice. And that is why God Himself paid a humongous, incalculable cost on the cross of Christ when His blood flowed freely on Calvary. Listen to me. The good news of the gospel is this. The price of justice has been paid on f in full on the cross. That's the good news. That's the good news. Give God praise. Don't. Give God praise. So please, don't take mercy lightly. Don't take it lightly. For on the cross, God's justice was satisfied so that you and I and you and you and you can receive mercy. 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 Mercy is more than what? Mercy is less than. Mercy is different than. And mercy is one with. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. They're going to put themselves under the shower of receiving more mercy and more mercy, and the stream will flow, flow through them. When you exercise mercy, your heart will be in such condition to receive more mercy and more mercy. Why? So that you may be able to give more mercy. And the more you give mercy, the more you receive more mercy. And the closer 
you resemble your Lord Jesus Christ. See, the more you imitate Jesus, the more Jesus you have in you. Can I repeat that? The more you imitate Jesus, the more Jesus is poured into you. And therefore, be a conduit for mercy, of mercy. Be a channel for mercy. Therefore, do not block the channel of mercy by being merciless. For when you show mercy, you experience liberty. When you show mercy, you will be set free. When you show mercy, you will not be weighed down with unforgiveness and hatred and anger. When you exercise mercy, you will become unshackled from the emotional chains that hold you down. When you exercise mercy, you will become fruit-bearing prosperous ministry, the exercising ministry. When you're exercising mercy, you will be liberated from the darkness and of bitterness. Just like Adolf Coors IV. Blessed, happy, joyful, makarios are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I believe with all my heart, the great physician, the great physician wants to operate on each one of us today. He wants to remove all of the blockages that's causing pain as a result of not exercising mercy. So will you let him? Will you let him? Let's do that right now. Let's go to the operating table as we bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful that you came from the Father and the Son. And you came into the world to dwell in the believers so they can so you can reveal to us the heart of the Father and the heart of the Son. Holy Spirit, the word tells us you're not glorifying yourself, but you are helping us to glorify the Father and the Son. And so we come to you, our Heavenly Father, in the name and in the power and in the merits of the cross of Christ. Help us. Operate on us. Remove all bitterness anger, hatred, frustrations that is weighing us down. Set us free for Jesus' sake. Set us free. And Father, I pray that everyone who is listening right now will do self-examination and find out there may be a phone call that needs to be made. There may be a visit that needs to be paid. There may be a price. It surely could not have been easy for Adolf Kurz IV to go to that prison and to tell that man, I forgive you. And so, Father, we know without your power, without your strength, Holy Spirit, we can't do it. 
So will you enable us? We pray in confidence. Because Jesus said, ask. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Thank you, team.